Welcome to Podcraft, honing the art of podcasting. The bite-sized show that covers one topic in depth each series. Your complete podcasting guide. Podcraft brings the pieces together so you don't have to. And now your host, Colin Gray. Hey folks and welcome to another episode of Series 4 of PodCraft. This is a series on planning and presenting your podcasting content. So how to make sure you put the best stuff out there, well planned, well presented and presenting everything you uh, can be to your audience. So last time around we had on Dan Feld from Prologue Profiles and he gave us a good intro to storytelling and how we can integrate a bit more storytelling into our podcasts. Now this time I want to talk a bit about a topic that probably isn't that associated with podcasting in general, and that's writing. But of course, if you're going to be putting out a podcast, there's going to be a lot of writing involved in that, whether it's show notes, um, whether it's episode titles, and even down to naming your podcast. So Liston Weatherill is coming to talk to you about this. And Liston is a copywriter. So he is expert in writing good copywriting, good uh, material that really draws listeners in, or really draws readers in in general. But obviously today we're going to be talking about how to apply copywriting to podcasting in general. So again, that can cover the naming to start with. So how do you name your podcast? What are good ways to name a podcast to make sure that it stays uh, desirable, it draws people in? And then on to how to write a description. So how to write a description for a podcast that really persuades somebody to find it to then become a listener. And then we go on to episode titles. So episode titles are important as well because people might find your podcast through general search. They might find it just through um, on a page and they don't know what the podcast episode is about. So you need to really draw them in and make them listen. It's the same as blogging. It's the same as any kind of article writing on the web. The headline is important. That determines a lot of whether somebody is going to actually go from uh, browsing over your content to actually becoming an engaged reader. So Liston is going to share with us as much of his experience as possible and I do think we get some great stuff from him during this episode. Now just before we jump into the interview itself, I just wanted to read out a review that I got just recently. I really do appreciate anyone who leaves a review. It helps so much with getting this podcast out to more people and also it gives me some great feedback on what to keep doing, what to improve, all that kind of stuff. So if you do have a chance, please do pop on to either iTunes to give a review or whatever system you use to listen, such as Stitcher or otherwise. But this is a great one I got from uh, somebody called Audio Drama, and it just says, fantastic resource. Colin is a great teacher who has an ability to take things that appear complicated and explain them in a way that is accessible to anyone. Uh, and headline is, wish I'd heard this three or four years ago. So <laughs> I really appreciate that. It means a lot to me to know that um, this stuff I'm putting out is helping people. Um, so again, great to hear from you if you have similar thoughts or even just some feedback on um, anything I can improve. So either review via your listening system, iTunes or otherwise, or even just tweet me at the podcast host uh, and you can let me know what you think. But enough of that stuff. Let's get into the interview. Let's dive straight into it with Liston Witherall from Good Funnel. The podcast host, honing your skills. Get your free equipment buyer's guide at thepodcasthost.com forward slash kit. Get the right equipment. First time. Okay, welcome to the podcast, Liston. Thanks for having me. 
No problem at all. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, so I'll let you introduce yourself, I think, just because uh, I've read a bit about your work and everything, but it always seems to be that the people can introduce their, themselves better. You know what you do better than I do. So how would you describe yourself normally, listen? Well, I would hope I know myself better than you do. Um, <laughs> so uh, my name's Liston Witherell. I'm a marketing strategist. Um, what that means for me in practice is copywriting, positioning, and really resonating and connecting with uh, customers. Uh, one thing that I notice is a lot of companies who start marketing and trying to grow themselves aren't really connected to their customer and don't understand them. So I focus on how your customers and prospects are making decisions to do business with you and how we can best speak to them and reach them in different ways. Great stuff. And that's uh, generally through the medium of copyright. Well, not specifically through the medium of copywriting, isn't it? That's how I came across your work, certainly. Generally, yeah, that, that is correct. Um, I do more than that. But um, yeah, copywriting is one of the things I study the most. And it is a fascinating, fascinating topic. And Hopefully, uh, uh, all of the listeners will get something out of this um, based on my experience in copywriting and how they're trying to attract an audience through their podcast. Indeed, yeah. Because just to, I suppose just to qualify it, I mean, it seems a little bit strange almost talking about copywriting on what is obviously an audio medium. But there's obviously a whole lot of writing goes on around a podcast from writing your script to writing uh, episode titles to writing promotionals material, all that kind of stuff. So I'm hoping uh, we can get some great insights from you around all of that stuff. Yeah, that's right. And as I started to think about how copywriting really affects podcasts and their popularity, uh, I, I really broke it down into a few different areas. Um, but I think the big picture for me is attracting new people to you. As you get someone's eyeballs discovering you on Stitcher or in the iTunes store or wherever they're looking for new podcasts, you want to be sure that you can grab their attention really quickly. And that's happening through your description of your podcast, your name, and your image. And then obviously you want them to listen again and again and again. And so there are other ways you're going to be in contact with them through copy and emails and social media and every other place where words are really what are selling you uh, before people get to hear your audio. Yeah, so I think that's the bit a lot of people struggle with actually. It's the, it's the how do the, well, firstly name your podcast and then how do you write a description that really draws people in? So do you want to talk us through the name first? That seems like the, probably the, the place where most people start. Yeah, let's talk about that. Um, you know, I'd like to take one step back before we get to the name, Colin, sure. because, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are familiar with lean startup um, or lean customer development, and that's one idea that I really subscribe to. So one thing I will never tell you or anybody else is that great words and really highly polished copy is going to be better than a great idea. That's definitely not true. So what I would recommend to anybody listening to this is test your idea a little bit um, before you worry about what to call it um, or how to write the description about your podcast. Um, so let's just skip ahead because we don't have time to go into how to test your idea and who to ask and all of that. Um, but I, I approach this naming uh, issue with that in mind, that you already have something that you know will resonate with some people. Yeah. So, you know, I looked through a lot of names. Um, one great resource for your listeners 
to research names is the Stitcher Hot 100, or if you go onto iTunes, you can look at the top podcasts and get a sense of what other popular podcasts are called. And as I look through that, you know, I see about three different types of names. One is a branded name. So if you have a name brand going in, don't stray from that. So as I looked at different uh, names, one that came to mind was Freakonomics. Um, NPR, obviously. This American Life is a huge brand name. Uh, sure. Ted, Ted uh, Podcast. So I'm assuming everybody is familiar with Ted, but they uh, have interesting, famous, successful people or some variation thereof come up and give talks um, about ideas that could change the world. Uh, another branded one, of course, is a person's name. So Mark Marin or Joe Rogan use their names as their podcast titles. And that's great because you immediately identify with them. No tricky copy needed there. Another type of podcast name is the abstract name, which um, <laughs> may be slightly interesting to hear or say, <clears throat> but isn't especially descriptive of the podcast. So I looked through, again, this is the top 50. One that I think is really funny and I'm not familiar with is The Moth Podcast. Are you familiar with that one, Colin? No, I've not come across that one. <laughs> Neither am I, and I have no idea what it's about. Um, but in any case, it's a top 20 podcast on Stitcher. Uh, Snap Judgment is another one, which is somewhat descriptive, but doesn't really tell us enough to know what it is. Um, and here's the thing is a saying that I say all the time, but um, that's also the name of a podcast, which I didn't know. Um, and then there's, of course, the descriptive podcast, which I would commend you. You have a descriptive podcast name. Podcraft tells me that um, you're going to be talking something about the craft of podcasting. So I think that's awesome. And it takes a lot of the guesswork out of it for your listeners. So what I would suggest to most people listening to this is to use somewhat of a descriptive name. Uh, I'll give a shout out to a marketer who I've never met, but I've been listening to his podcast for a while. His name's Jeremy Reeves, and the podcast is called Funnel Mastery. And people who are in marketing know that a funnel is a way to move people from strangers to customers. And so if you hear that name, it instantly clicks with you. Um, three other names that I love, Stuff You Should Know, I, and I think that's a really popular one, but... It speaks for itself, really. <laughs> it does speak for itself, right? We don't need to, to ask any questions about what that is. Um, another one, two more that may be slightly abstract, but are still descriptive. One is Serial. So we get the sense that all of the episodes that we listen to will be related. Um, and the other one is Reply All. And I'm going to talk about Reply All uh, a bit more when we dive into some of the other topics, but I love that name because we instantly know that it's something about email, um, and the podcast is about internet, so it's it's very short and pithy, um, and at the same time, it has kind of a broad appeal because of the word all, um, and we know it has something to do with either email or the internet. So those are some names I love. Right, okay. So you don't necessarily... so. To, well, to take what I got from that, 
being descriptive obviously is an advantage. You tell them what the podcast is about, which is a good thing in the first place. It catches their attention. But it can be nice to have something a bit more abstract as well to to make curiosity, uh, but possibly not too abstract. Is that what you're saying, really? That is what I'm saying. I, I think what an abstract title does, um, and we'll get into this with headlines a little bit, but it creates intrigue. Um, right. It makes people think a little bit. Now, we don't want them to think too much because if we force them to think so much that it's painful, they shut us out. But we want them to think a little bit and, and kind of pique that curiosity and get them to say, hey, what's behind that? I'm interested to know more about here's the thing. What thing? And wh why are you giving it to me? Why do I need to know this? Um, so I think that's why abstract works. I would generally, my style is to tend more towards descriptive. The name of my business is Good Funnel. And I'll just mm -hmm. share with you how I came up with that name. Um, sadly, it's a little bit boring. But what I did was a very mechanical process where I thought about what are the types of services and outcomes that I want to give people and focusing more on outcomes. And then I wrote down just a whole huge list of words that may work for my business. And um, I don't know if you've ever had this uh, experience where there's these little refrigerator magnets and they all have separate words and you can kind of piece them together to make a poem. Have you seen yeah, this? Sure. Yeah, yeah. And that's essentially how I named my business. So, you know, it's not the most interesting story in the world, but um, it is a technique that your listeners can use if they're thinking um, similar to yours. You know, if you're focusing on the the craft or how to make a podcast, you you start to think about, okay, how to make something. What are words that describe that? Craft is obviously one. The craft of doing something. Um, and then whatever you're describing the object or the subject of what you're doing. And I just started pairing up all of those words together and came up with Good Funnel. So um, if that helps one person listening to this, uh, <laughs> I think it's a success. <laughs> okay. So, so would you not recommend then going fully descriptive? Uh, so saying something like the video editing podcast or the mountain bike podcast, how, how does that work? You know, I recommend doing whatever works. Um, I wouldn't sit here and say there's one thing that's going to work for everybody. Uh, like I said, also the image is going to have a huge impact on whether people listen to your podcast. So I don't think that the name is everything. What I think is when you look at your name, your image, your description, your podcast titles and their descriptions, um, you start to build a brand or an overall feeling that you're leaving people with. And so, you know, I don't think the name is everything. Um, I think shorter is better. So if it's, say, ideally five words or less, it's going to be a lot easier for people to remember it. So uh, I would tend towards descriptive but relatively short. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. That's good. Right. Um, so in terms of names, we're moving on from names then. Anything else you want to say about podcast naming before we go on to maybe the episode names? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I think now we're getting into probably the most important part. Right. I think, yeah, sorry, just, it just popped into my head that naming, it just seems to be, in terms of business advice as well, people always spend far too much time yes. trying to name their business or name their, you know, name anything, to be honest, when it doesn't really matter what you name something, is it? Even a child, it doesn't matter how obscure it is. After a year, you've said it enough times that it just becomes normal anyway. So <laughs> it always seems like you just choose something and go for it. <laughs> 
Yeah, Freakonomics has a, a great um, little piece on naming of children and how it really has no bearing on their life in some ways, but in other ways it does. Um, but what I was going to say is if you think about some really uh, huge companies and how meaningless their names really are, and yeah. after a while, because you're so familiar with them, you don't even think about it, like Airbnb is one that comes to mind. Um, <laughs> yeah. It just, I mean... I know it has a reference to bed and bath in it, but Airbnb, at the time they named the company, that really meant nothing to people. Um, and yet, they can still have a thriving business. So I would say spend some time on the name, settle on something that uh, a few people either find memorable um, or interesting or like saying, ideally all three of those, uh, and then move on and don't think about it again. Great. <laughs> okay, so episode names then. What's uh, What are the first things we have to think about when we're actually naming our episode to draw people in? So the first thing I think about is to have it be really emotionally charged. Um, you know, one thing that I always reference uh, in copywriting is what David Ogilvie said, which is uh, eight out of ten people will read your headline, but only two will read any of your body copy. So you know, that's not scientific, but there have been studies recently that show people are willing to share articles just on the strength of their headline, even if they don't read the article. So by far, your headline is going to be the one thing that draws people in the most. Um, and so what I would think about is to have something surprising or intriguing. So I have two examples from... Um, Reply All, and what I'm going to do is read both the headline and then the description because I think they're so well written. So okay. the first one is episode number 15. It's called, I've Killed People and I Have Hostages. Okay. Do you want to know more about that? So that, that intrigues me certainly. Yeah, yeah, go on. <laughs> so uh, funny enough, this episode is all about swatting. Are you familiar with swatting, Colin? I... No, I'm not sure. Go on. So uh, this is a, a really terrible thing that um, mostly teenage kids are doing in the United States. Uh, as people are live casting their video game play, some of the listeners or one of the listeners will call up a bomb threat or a hostage situation to the local SWAT team where the person who's broadcasting their video game playing is actually um, at. So in other words... You, you, Colin, are broadcasting yourself playing a video game. Someone calls up and says that they're you and that you've killed your parents and you're taking hostages in the neighborhood and you're ready to end it all. And so the SWAT team comes to your house and breaks down the door armed with M16s and all of the army gear that you would expect someone to have if they were responding to a situation like that. And it's all caught live on camera. Um, so the viewers get to see it happening, which is why they do it. Yeah. So this title, I've Killed People and I Have Hostages, a bit salacious, um, but also makes sense for the content of the podcast. Um, and so, you know, what it's really doing is drawing you in to the description. And the description says, Blair Myhand is a police officer in the sleepy 40,000-person town of Apex, North Carolina. One night he received an unusually disturbing phone call where a person claimed to be holding a woman hostage after murdering several people. Myhand assembled his team and went to the house, but what they ended up finding was much more bizarre. So 
it sets up enough of a story, and it's it's very image-driven, sleepy 40,000-person town, uh, unusually disturbing phone call, person claimed to be holding a woman hostage. All of these phrases are very, very visual, um, and so it starts to paint a picture in the reader's head, and then the way they close is very typical of like a cliffhanger you would see on TV. But what they ended up finding was much more bizarre. In other words, you're going to have to listen to this podcast in order to find out what's coming next. Yeah, that, that's, that makes a lot of sense. It's, it's telling a story, isn't it? It's going back to um, a previous podcast that I did on storytelling and how powerful that is as well. Um, so yeah, I can see how that works. Yeah, it is a story. Um, and then they have another one. Uh, so, yeah, j just to bring it home on that, I think telling a story is one of the most powerful things you can do in your copy or even on air in your podcast. Um, and it, it really resonates with people. We tend to think in stories and narrative, even if you think about the creation of the world, no matter what you believe, whether God made it or you know, there was a big bang. There's sort of a, a start, a middle, and leading up to an ending at least, right? Yeah, sure. So everything we do is sort of in that format. And so being able to tell a story about your podcast uh, is really, really helpful. But you can also appeal a little bit more to someone's intellect as well. Um, and so I have another example from Reply All, and that's okay. episode number two. And the headline is called, the Secret Gruesome Internet for Doctors. So, a couple things they're doing here. One is the word secret. Um, so, secret or magical, these are common words you see in copywriting. By definition, people, when, when you hear that there's a secret, you want to know what, the, <laughs> what it is. Uh, you want to be on the inside circle of people who know this secret, right? There's, there's a scarcity of that information, so it's drawing yeah. you in. And then, of course, gruesome internet is uh, interesting because um, it's like a car accident or a train wreck. You you sort of apprehensively want to see uh, what's going on. And so their description is, an app called Figure One wants to be Instagram, but for doctors. Why would doctors need their own Instagram? We spy on the secret and disgusting medical internet, plus we speak to one of its residents. <laughs> so here the closing isn't quite as good, but... I would say that's much more intellectual. Um, Instagram for doctors. Why do they need it? It's disgusting. We speak to one of the residents, hear what they have to say kind of thing. So it's not really a story. There isn't an arc there, there uh, in the same way there was in the previous example. Um, but it is kind of inspiring uh, curiosity on the intellectual side. Yeah, it seems to me more that that second one is being a bit more, or it has to be a bit more clever because it's not using the sort of cheap trick of curiosity. It's mm -hmm. more using words that attract the, the reader in. No, it's not a cheap trick. It actually works. I'll, I'll, I'll stand my ground on that one. But yeah, <laughs> oh, no, you're... Sorry, you're... I, don't, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't meaning to be, uh, to be uh, controversial there. I just mean that, I don't know, the curiosity thing, you could sort of get, you could draw people in to anything, I guess. But in the second one, they're actually describing what it's about. So they have to be a bit more clever about how they, they word it, I guess, because there's less in terms of curiosity to draw you in. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And... For a lot of people listening to this, I'm guessing they're going to be in a business niche or you know marketing or something like that where they're having to appeal to someone's 
um, not just curiosity, but also rationality, right? There's yeah, going to yeah. be something in it for you. Um, and, and I know that that's a little bit of the disconnect of Reply All for some of your listeners is that Reply All is really more story-based and it's, it's more, you know, infotainment kind of thing. Yeah, um, sure. So let, let's bring it home, and I'm going to pick on you a little bit. Um, okay. <laughs> I looked at your episode number two, and so I was going through your site, and I was just looking for headlines that I thought really work. And so episode two immediately drew my attention, and I think it's a fantastic headline, and it's very descriptive, why podcasting can help your business. Okay, the, sure. The, the reason I love this so much is I'm sure as you started podcasting or talking about podcasting, um, a lot of people ask you, well, how does that help the business? How does that help my business? What does it do for me? Yeah. Um, and so it's meeting your reader, your listener, right at the point where they need to be met, which is they want to know why. Why is this worth my time? How can this help my business? So I love that. And now I'd like to um, just kind of give you a demonstration of what I think uh, would be a little bit better copy in your lead-in. So when I say lead-in, what I mean is the little description that goes along with the podcast that you would see on either iTunes or... Um, Stitcher or whatever else you're using. Yes. So your yeah, lead-in, say it again. So I was just saying, often that, uh, that is what I put um, in the first couple of paragraphs of my show notes as well, actually. So if somebody randomly finds an episode of mine, then the first paragraph will be exactly the same as this. So actually, this is really valuable because I think this is possibly what would draw somebody who just finds you via the search engines into actually listening to the episode. So, yeah. Yeah, and if you're using a discovery podcasting app that suggests podcasts, I think this is um, really, really important for anybody who's podcasting because a lot of people will make their decision whether they want to invest a few, the first few minutes of the podcast um, based on what the description says and the name of the podcast. So your title is Why Podcasting Can Help Your Business. I love it. I would absolutely keep that. Then the lead-in is there are a huge range of reasons why podcasting can help to grow your business. In this episode, I talk about the ones which are, to me, the most compelling. If you run a business and you're not podcasting yet, then listen to this podcast to find out why you should be. Okay, so I think there are some really good things in there. Um, mm -hmm. One of, I, I would say my biggest recommendation on copy always is to take you out of it. Take yourself um, okay. so, so in other words, if Colin is writing, take Colin out of this. What we really want to do is focus on the person reading it. So here's my rewrite, and you can tell me um, if it's a, a strikeout or if you think it is an improvement. So sure. my version of what you wrote is so-called experts podcast every day to listeners hanging on their every word, and you know you're more qualified than they are, but there's a big difference between you and them. They have an audience. So why start podcasting? To grow your audience, credibility, attention, and five more reasons that will build your business in no time. Okay. Well, that sounds far better than the one I had. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Can you write that down and email it to me? <laughs> yeah, I absolutely will. Um, you have access to all of my show notes here. Um, so, yeah, you know, really what I was trying to do is, is to meet something that I know is the case, which is I listen to a lot of podcasts and uh, a lot of people seem to just, you know, kind of marginally know what they're talking about. Not that they're bad or anything, but 
that I may know more than they do. And I wanted to play on that because I think a lot of people who listen would feel that way. Um, and then we kind of transition that into, so why start podcasting to grow your audience and build your business because you can do it. You're just as good as all of these experts, if not better. So I'm putting the reader in a position to say, um, uh, of, of sort of strength and to try to build them up. And that's really what I was trying to do there. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Sorry, just to say that the whole please. taking me out of it. So yeah, not talking about what I'm doing, what I'm offering and more seeing it. It's the whole marketing thing, isn't it? Talk about the benefits rather than the features. So the benefits to them. So what they will get, what will change about what they have, what they do, that kind of thing. So yeah, that's great. I really like that. Good, good. And it's not that people don't care at all about what we have to say or what's going on in our lives. It's just that their attention is stretched so thin. Um, there was a study a couple years ago that said that the human attention span is now eight seconds. Right. And the attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. Uh, so <laughs> if that doesn't illustrate the point, I don't know what does. So we're, you know, as thousands or even tens of thousands of new podcasts are launched and millions of pieces of content are being produced and, you know, there are probably tens of thousands of different marketing messages that hit a person every single day in their inbox at the uh, supermarket, wherever they go, we're in a constant battle for attention, and so if we can just talk to people directly about what's important to them, we're more likely to get their attention um, because, you know, they're a complicated world. So I, I want to bring it back to the, the title of these podcasts because I do think that that is the single most important thing. Um, and so I just wanted to share two additional titles with you. One is, and this falls in the category of intrigue, The Grandmother and the Vine of the Dead by Here Be Monsters, the grandmother and the vine of the dead. I don't know what that means, but I like grandmas. I have a sweet spot in my heart for grandmas, and I have no idea what the vine of the dead is, but I might want to hear the first couple minutes of that to see if I'm interested. The other is Andy Outbids the Tooth Fairy by Seven Second Delay. Andy Outbids the Tooth Fairy. Um, Again, there there may be something about economics or business in there because he's outbidding the tooth fairy. It may be, you know, a clever kid gets one over on his parents. Um, but it's very there's a lot of um, room for our imagination in both of these titles. Um, and so I think that that's, uh, that's another way to look at it is if people can kind of insert themselves and use their imagination, that's a good thing. Right, that's great stuff. Yeah, it's really interesting. <laughs> the th the first one as well. It's two things that you wouldn't imagine going together, isn't it? Grandmother's obviously very nice and sweet, and then the vine of the dead it sounds pretty much the opposite of that. So right, yeah, the juxtaposition exactly uh, makes it for uh, a lot of uh, interest. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> great stuff. Okay, well, does that cover episode names then? I think it does. Great. Now, we mentioned, uh, we were chatting beforehand and you mentioned around promotion as well. I'm interested to talk to you a little bit about uh, the promotion side of things. So this is the thing that I often get questions around. It's probably one of the most asked things on um, the podcast host, certainly, uh, around how do I grow my audience? How do I get myself out to more people? Uh, and obviously, email and social are two of the biggest ones. So you said you might have a few tips around that. So I'm really interested to hear what you have. Yeah, you know, um, I have one tip, which I'm sure you've covered, but all of the podcasts that I listen to that have pretty big followings, despite being in a pretty tight niche, 
um, one thing that they do, and this this is your script, not in the copy that you're showing the world, but one thing they do is they ask for reviews on air. Is that something you recommend to your audience? Absolutely, yeah. It's, uh, it's around the whole, if you don't ask, you don't get. So every single episode, right. you should be deciding what you're looking for, whether it's feedback, whether it's a review, whether it's people to go and do something on your website, and you have to ask them outright. And That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely right. And, you know, I've heard it done um, two ways that I really like. One is just to flat-out ask. Um, or actually, there are three ways. One is to flat-out ask for reviews um, and say, essentially put someone in a position to help you. Um, you know, we're really trying to deliver a service through this podcast, and what one thing that really helps us move up in the rankings and deliver more great content to more people is if you would take the time to go onto iTunes, it'll only take you 30 seconds and write us a review. So that's one way to ask. The other way that I've found is um, several podcasters will just read reviews. So they'll say, hey, we got four more five-star reviews in the last week, and this is what they said. And so you read the ones that really are reflective of the types of reviews that you want, and one of the key words there is five-star reviews. You're sharing with people, other people, their social proof. Other people think that this is a five-star review, um, so you probably do too, and it's sort of implying that we want reviews without asking directly. Um, yeah. the, the other way I've heard it done is to give away a prize to people who review the episode, which, <laughs> you know, I, I, I feel like you're not going to get as much honest feedback that way, and... Um, one of the good things that a review does is it kind of tells you how you're doing. It's a, a check against um, your progress and how valuable it is. But that's another thing I've heard. So uh, I think that that's one of the great ways to promote your podcast because that'll move you through the ranks. Um, but obviously emails um, are huge. And so I wanted to use an example from fizzle.co. And these guys um, educate entrepreneurs, I'm sure from... All of my examples, you're getting a sense of the podcast I listen to. But yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> they educate entrepreneurs, and they're uh, really funny and interesting um, and still have some meat to their content. So I really like that about them. Um, and one thing that I noticed that they do is anytime there's a new episode, they email everybody on their list, um, including me. So if you sign up on their website, you get an email saying, hey, we have a new podcast, just as if they had a new blog post. And what they do is they use the title of the podcast as the headline for the email. And so the most recent one that I got is called Three Things Hopeful Entrepreneurs Should Do After School. Now what I notice about this title is that it works as a podcast title, it works as an email headline, and it would work as a content post, like a blog post or something like that. Yeah, um, sure. And so there's this multiple appeal. They even use the numeral three instead of writing out three, three things hopeful entrepreneurs should do. And, um, you know, it's very clear that list articles in terms of short articles get shared more than anything else, um, which is why... You, you probably browse the internet and say, oh, five more things to you know, make my business better, seven things to get more sales. We get it, right? But it works, and that's why they're using it. Um, so one piece of advice I would have is um, when you're naming your podcast, think about your promotion strategy too, and think about how useful will this title be in other forms of distribution, whether it's through email or in social. 
Um, so I think they do a really, really good job of that. And also within the body of the email, it's very short. It's just, I think it's two sentences, and actually I, I may um, err more on the side of a little bit more information, say three to five sentences, um, but the email should be really short, and all you're really doing is giving people an alert in a way that lets them sort through it and say, is this useful to me or not, um, and then have a link right in your email that says, listen now. Um, and so I think that that's going to be the most effective way for most people to promote their podcast as they're developing their email list. Um, one thing a lot of other podcasters do in terms of developing the email list is give away something on their website. Uh, so while you're on the air, maybe towards the end of it, and maybe you'll do this, um, you say, hey, I just released my new definitive guide to um, the, the craft of podcasting, and you can learn all about the beginner's guide. Go to this landing page and um, you know download it now, and so then people trade their email address for your content. And then, of course, you can email them more in the future. But I think the big key there, again, is the headline. Um, so whenever you're emailing someone, be sure that it's going to be intriguing. Get them to open it. And then in the body of the email, make sure that it gives them enough information to get a sense of what it might be, creates a little bit of intrigue and curiosity, and then gets them to click to the next page. Yeah, sounds good. It's, it's something that um, a lot of podcasters actually miss out is email. They don't really think that, well, a lot of people think that their podcast itself is the way that they get themselves out there. Uh, and so they forget that they should be trying to develop an email list as well, forgetting that that's actually where people will often come to their podcast from. People forget to listen to a podcast unless you remind them sometimes. So, yeah, it's really important. Uh, interesting to hear, actually, I am interested to hear, sorry, uh, whether these, when you say an email headline, do you mean actually in the body of the email or can you use that for the subject line as well? Or do you think the subject line needs something different? I'm sorry, I do mean the subject line. So if, ah, if you... If you want um, the, the fastest way to produce content on a regular basis, if you're naming, I, I mean, look, I probably wouldn't want the reply all email subject line to be, I've killed people and I have hostages, though that may make me <laughs> click on the email. It's yeah. a that, that's a little bit iffy, right? I don't, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's not what I want to see in my inbox necessarily. Um, but, but I think that's not going to be applicable to most people listening to this. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, three things hopeful entrepreneurs should do after school sets up both the email and the podcast perfectly. I may want to know more about that. And it's even disqualifying me. Um, it's saying this is for hopeful entrepreneurs. And so if I don't consider myself a hopeful entrepreneur, I may not even bother opening it, which is fine because, um, as long as people aren't unsubscribing, then, uh, they'll open more in the future. Now, the advantage of email, of course, Colin, is that you can promote anything. So if you're doing a podcast in order to promote your business um, and you start using email to promote the podcast, as you develop your email list, you'll now have this, what I would say is probably the most important asset for a lot of businesses is that email list because you can promote anything to that audience. You can ask them, hey, you like my stuff, what would you like me to create next? There's all kinds of ways that you can use the, the audience that you've developed to, to give them more value and to give them something that's even more interesting than you've done in the past. 
So I would say, by far, email is going to be one of your best promotional channels. Yeah. And I think something that people forget as well, actually, with podcasting is that even though podcasting has a huge amount of strengths, and I will say it's the most strong marketing channel out there, the weakness that it has is that people can't often take action right when they're listening to you. So they'll be in the car, they'll be out for a run, they'll be out for a walk, whatever, and they're not likely to be able to click on a link or to be able to go and do something. So having that option to go back to your email and then send them a follow-up email to the episode, reminding them about the episode so you're still benefiting from what you've said in the episode, the trust you've built there, the value you've given away, and then actually give them that link or that action or whatever it is, be able to give them it then in the email, that's much more valuable. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, one of the ways that I am aware of new podcasts is through my favorites within the podcasting app. If people don't know how to do that, the only way if they're not part of your email list to know that you have a new podcast is to go back to your website. And as you know, most people will not go back to your website. Um, so having another way of getting in touch with them is extremely, extremely important, and email uh, is by far the best way to do that. Uh, another way to do that, of course, is social. And so I'll give you a little tip. This isn't necessarily a copywriting tip, but um, you know, one really, really important thing to do in social, obviously, is to create intrigue. And I know this is becoming the theme of the episode. Maybe that's what you're <laughs> going to name it. But to create intrigue in social means giving people enough information to be interested, but don't answer the question or the statement for them necessarily. Have them anticipate something and then click through, right? Because we want them to either go to your website or um, subscribe to the podcast or download the podcast or whatever it is that you want them to do. So one strategy that I would recommend everybody do is after you have your podcast, you've set up your email announcement, as you're setting up your social posting schedule, what you should do is continue to promote the podcast, not just when you launch it, but probably three times a week after and then about five times a month after. And each one of those times, you're going to want to pull out a different headline um, or a different little social message, say 10 to 20 words, that's going to send people back to your podcast, and then that allows you to start testing. What does my audience really like? What's getting me the most clicks? What's getting the most shares? And so you can test different things. Do intellectual headlines with statistics get more people to click on um, my social shares than um, short story type things or cliffhanger type headlines? Is that making sense? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. That's something that a lot of people don't think about as well, isn't it? Actually testing, doing a bit of analytics to see what works. And like you say, the same thing doesn't work for everyone. So your audience might like statistics while another one might like the, uh, the sort of intriguing headlines. Yeah, that's a great tip. Yeah, and uh, I think anybody who's making a podcast, you you are now a marketer and you have something to promote, and so you need to also become a very shameless self-promoter in the sense that it's okay to say over and over again, I had this new podcast, it's about copywriting and podcasts for you, um, and, and sort of tactics of persuasion in order to get more people to pay attention to you, and you're going to need to post that 10, 15, 20 times over, say, the next 30 to 60 days, 
in order to get enough people to see it to really move the needle for you. Um, yeah. One thing about social is that when you make an announcement, there's a lot of talk about what is the perfect time to post to, say, Twitter, Facebook, um, Pinterest, or whatever social network you're using. Um, but also, the reason that's such a big topic is because people tune in for really short bursts um, at different times throughout the day. And there's a good chance that whenever you post to Twitter especially, um, your message is just going to be lost in two minutes for most of your followers, right? There's going to be so many other people there following and so many other tweets that, they, uh, that their attention um, is being drawn to that it's unlikely that one single post is going to catch their attention and get them back. And that's why you need to post over and over again, whether it's a blog or a podcast or whatever you're trying to promote. Um, that's a very, very important strategy with um, promotion. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. So yeah, just re repeating it, but differing it as well. Like you're saying, you, you get your copyright in there, so you're not repeating yourself and, and annoying people. You're actually giving them something a little bit different every time. No one wants Colin Gray or Liston Witherell to be annoying. That's definitely true. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and then the final thing I would say is anytime you have a guest um, or, you know, you mention someone. So, like, um, you know, uh, I've mentioned Reply All. You know, conceivably, Colin, you could reach out to them cold and say, hey, I'm a big fan of your show. I really liked the episode you did on um, swatting in North Carolina. That was really interesting. I recently had a guest on my podcast who was talking about that. Here it is in case you're interested. Well, they may tweet it out, and if they have a much bigger audience than you do, you're going to get some promotional juice out of that. Um, and so that's another um, thing that you can do is reach out to influencers to promote. And what I've found from my own business is when I reach out to, say, guest post is something that I do a lot, or guest podcast, which is what I did with you, we were introduced through a mutual friend, but um, when you reach out cold, people are pretty responsive. You know, they they want to um, be mentioned in other places. Um, they want more content, and they want great content. And so, if you can give that stuff to them, um, you should definitely reach out to them as a promotional strategy as well, and even just as a networking strategy. Right? Um, you could probably Absolutely. learn a lot from the reply all guys in this example. Um, Absolutely. So, you know, that's another promotional strategy. And then, then the copywriting challenge there is creating a really short email that will catch their attention quickly and get them to reply. Okay. Or do reply all. Do you have any tips on that before we finish? Yeah, very good. <laughs> uh, do you have any tips on that very quickly just before we, uh, before we finish up? Because I think that's a really valuable thing, actually, and it's something that I've talked about in the past, getting guests on and the, the benefits, both networking, like you say, and promotional. How do you, how do you grab their attention in the first sentence or two? Um, yeah, so a couple ways to do it. Um, one is to be familiar with who they are first, um, I know that that's not the most actionable advice, but when I say that, um, like I just reached out cold to um, Lifehacker because I thought, you know, I work with a lot of tech businesses and info businesses. Um, that name would mean something to people that I write for, um, and so I should consider guest posting there. And so what I did for them was I showed insight without saying it, so they have this post about how to make your um, emails uh, shorter and how to save your readers time. 
And their big message there is just if it's a single question, put it in the subject line and then in parentheses write EOM, end of message, and no body copy. Um, and so what I did is I reached out to their editor and I just said, um, what do I need to do to have a guest post on Lifehacker question mark EOM in parentheses, end of message. And nothing in the body, nothing about me, nothing about what I wanted to write, um, nothing about why I would be so especially awesome for them. And he got back to me the next day. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I think what I demonstrated there was I'm part of your audience, I'm part of your tribe, and I understand what you're doing. Um, so that's, that's kind of a fringe example. But what I usually do if I reach out to them is very formulaic. If you're reaching out to an influencer, let's take the example of be, being a guest on your show. If you're going to them cold, uh, what I would recommend is to start out by saying um, something that you appreciate or got value out of from them, um, something that you do that's related to that, so now you're connecting you and that person, um, what your ask is really clearly. Um, so. In other words, like, like for you, Colin, let's, let's stay on this reply all example since we've used it over and over again. But if I were you and you were saying, hey, listen, can you write a re an outreach to the reply all guys? Um, this is what I would do. I would say, hey, host name, um, I listened to your swatting uh, podcast and I really loved the way you set it up as a story and illustrated how this affects people's lives and how some people are on the fence about how serious the consequences should be for swatting. Okay, so what I did there was I clearly demonstrated I've listened to it, right? I'm actually a fan. I'm not saying I'm a fan. I'm saying here's what I liked about it and here's what was interesting to me. Um, and then I would transition to saying, you know, um, I really, I really like sort of the moral dilemma there. And then I would say something like, um, you know, one thing that I do is teach people how to construct stories in their podcasts. My name's Colin Gray, and my podcast is called Podcraft, and I teach people how to make awesome podcasts, and I think you would be a perfect guest to really teach other people what goes into it for you. If that sounds like something you want to do, let me know and we can jump on a five-minute call or something like that, or reply to this message with a yes or no. And so yeah. what you're going to want to do is develop some affinity, show that you're familiar with their work, connect what they're doing to what you're doing, give them a very clear ask and a next step, and that's it. You're not writing three paragraphs in three or 400 words, which is the biggest mistake people make in cold emails. You're, you're making it really quick. Anybody who you want to spend time with is going to have a limited amount of time. So... Um, that would be my advice for how to reach out to an influencer. That was excellent, and I think you're—I think that basically shows up exactly what I do wrong a lot of the time. <laughs> I have a tendency to be a bit uh, probably verbose in an email, maybe, <laughs> so I, uh, I probably write too much, and um, with the view that it's you know being sociable, it's being um, it's being polite to actually chat a little bit and ask how they're doing and all that kind of stuff. But I think you're absolutely right. If I get an email that only has a few lines in it, but it gets the point across and it makes a bit of a connection. I'm much more likely to reply to it. Yeah, I mean, so to use the dating analogy, we don't want to try to take people to dinner before our small talk, 
right? So <laughs> we, the, the whole point, you, you should think about any outreach or connections that you're going to make to influential people as a process. You're not going to get it all done in the first email. And so what you really want to do is just catch their attention, tell them what you want, and let them make a decision. Um, and then I would say if they don't get back to you, keep emailing them until they tell you to stop because <laughs> there's a good chance that it went into spam or they buried it or they put it on their to-do list and they forgot about it or whatever. They're super busy, right, just like us. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, generally uh, we would want to continue emailing people until they say, hey, I get it, I'm really not interested. Okay, no worries, I won't email you again. Great story from um, a, a guy that I respect in sales. His name's Steli FT, and he rose, uh, runs Close.io. He said he reached out to an investor 37 times before the investor uh, responded, and the response was, oh, yeah, I've been meaning to get back to you. I'm ready to invest. <laughs> okay, let's do it then. <laughs> so, um, you know, don't take it personal if people don't get back to you. Yeah, excellent. That's brilliant. Thanks very much. Listen, that's we've covered a, a range of topics. Uh, I thought we were going to be talking mainly copywriting, but it's actually it ties into so many other activities, doesn't it? Especially promotion, email writing, everything. So it's kind of it's something you need to be thinking about the whole time. I think, isn't it? Absolutely. And uh, I hope it was helpful. And thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it, Colin. No, definitely. So where where can people find out a bit more about you? What about what you're up to just now? Absolutely. So you can go to my website. It's goodfunnel.co, G-O-O-D-F-U-N-N-E-L.co, not com. Um, or you can email me at liston at goodfunnel.co. Um, I will be on a few other webinars and speaking around, but uh, I think the best thing your audience can do is either just drop me an email directly. I'd be happy to talk to anybody. Um, please don't hesitate to do that. Or you could go to my website, and I have a variety of resources that you can either download or read right on the site. Excellent. Great stuff. Okay, well, thank you again for taking the time, Liston, and uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Great. Thank you, Colin. If you want more of everything podcasting, from equipment guides to podcasting courses, head over to thepodcasthost.com. And don't forget to give us some feedback. Leave a comment at podcraft.net or send Colin a tweet at the podcast host. Thanks for listening.